0: At LuckyLandslots.com Available to players in the U.S. Excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions supply. Okay, round two. Name something that's
2: not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
2: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
3: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Hangover. I'm Daniel alongside with me is my good buddy Shannon. Shannon, how you doing, buddy?
4: I'm doing great today. It's uh I don't know if you know uh here out on the east coast, we're getting all that haze from the the uh fire forest fires up in Canada. So, you know, again, I thought it was over. Now we got a hazy day again today. So uh you don't you don't want to be in, be out there breathing that very much.
3: No, I can. I, I bet I, I can imagine, man. Uh, it's been hot out here uh, again, um, but we've we got a little bit of a cool down. It's 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 around ninety eight degrees today. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> you have your jacket on. <laughs> yeah, well, I got my sweater ready. Got my sweater <laughs>
0: ready.
3: So uh, there's been a little bit of breaking news right before we came on on the on the on the Slack channel. Apparently. Uh, Per Cam Hayward, Matt Canada will not be opening up the playbook this year. Uh, What are your thoughts? (laughs) I don't know if you saw that. There was a clip Cam Hayward was making fun of, um, I guess, 97, the fan, and he was asking Kenny Pickett what his thoughts were on Matt Canada not opening up the playbook, and Kenny Pickett came out saying, where did you hear that from? Uh, Apparently it's all not true. It sounds like they are going to open it up. Uh, What do you think about the players joking around like that, kind of poking fun back at the media?
4: Well, it's just because everybody's so obsessed with what the Steelers are going to do uh, with Kenny Pickett and on offense this year. And is Matt Canada going to hold back Kenny Pickett's development in the Steelers' offense? And we don't know how much of an influence Glenn Thomas is going to be. So, you know, they get they keep getting asked about this. Anytime there's a press conference, they had the chair, uh, Cam Hayward's charity softball game over the weekend, and, you know, when he's trying to talk about that, and there's still people asking about the Steward's office. So it's a little bit of obsession right now. So they're just having a little fun with it.
3: (laughs) Percent. It's a good time to – it's a good time for fun. I mean, there's nothing else going on right now. Yes. You know, training camp is in the next couple of weeks. We're looking forward to that. I'm sure everybody, you know, amongst Black and Gold Nation is looking forward to that. Uh, but also in other news today, and I know everybody, everybody here is just, you know, biting their fingernails to 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 get your um, your opinion on it. But the Madden rankings are out. Um, <laughs> what what are your thoughts? I know there's a lot of disappointment out there. Um, is it ex- expected? Well, Steelers have been a um, a team that's been under the radar, can be even considered disrespected this off season. Are you surprised by the Manning, Manning, uh, Madden ratings and how low some of the players are?
4: No, I, I didn't lose any sleep about it, you know, leading up to the, them releasing it. They've only released some, and I'm sure there's other. Uh, when they release other ratings, there's going to be more people insulted, and And I just hope it motivates some of the players because, yeah. you know, I really don't care about that. Um, mm-hmm. I like to play Madden and grew up playing it, but <laughs> not, uh, uh, not really concerned about those ratings right now. You know, there was a lot of talk today about the receivers and right. Deontay Johnson was the highest rated receiver at around 82. Now mm-hmm. I have not seen what his numbers were in each category, but outside of gaining separation, the rest of his numbers should be low. Because he's not good after the catch. He doesn't score touchdowns. He doesn't break tackles. So, again, it's just the Steelers have a lot of potential. But that's all it is until they turn potential into production with hard work. So, the fact that the wide receiver rooms may maybe rated a little lower than some people expected or would like for it to be, I I, I think it's probably pretty accurate. <laughs>
3: I agree. And, you know, I'll give you guys a little bit of a secret and Madden, you can adjust those things. So regardless of anything, I'm going to go in there and make them make them 99 across the board. (laughs) And then what? And then what? Right. Um, Yeah. For me, I don't think it's anything crazy. It's just I do play Madden every now and then. Um, I'm not huge. I don't play online. I don't play against other people. Um, Honestly, when I'm listening to podcasts and my daughter's asleep or whatnot, it gives me something to do. And mm-hmm. so um, that's usually when I play my, uh, play the game. But, um, yeah, to me it's, it's nothing. I, I feel that, you know, it's kind of where the rest of mainstream media has put the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, it's been, you know, under the radar to slightly, you know, almost disrespectful to a certain extent. You know, and, then, and so uh, maybe next year. <laughs> but the only way that they, the Steelers will get better ratings is if they perform. Right. Yeah, so,
4: I, I mean, I'm... when you look at the offensive performance over the last few years, you know, it should be low right. because they just have been one of the worst offenses. Now, in the second half of last year, they become very good time of possession offense, but they were still in the bottom in scoring offense. So, you know, not it, all the way at the bottom, but they were low in the lot, bottom half. So... Right. Uh, we're seeing potential, and we've seen them do it in, in a half season. But now we got to see it for a whole season.
3: One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and hopefully they will. I, I'm I'm super excited about this season. I think yeah, I think this team is gonna is gonna surprise a lot of people and and, and do some things. Um, <clears throat> I want to say thank you to all those in the live chat. Let's get the uh, let's get the algorithm going by liking and subscribing if you're not already subscribed. Uh, But today we're talking about the cornerback position and we're talking about, you know, kind of going along with what we've been talking about this entire offseason with ranking greatest position players. Today we're talking about the cornerback position. Uh, We're talking about Rod Woodson, Mel Blunt, Joe Hayden, Chad Scott, uh, Ike Taylor. The list can go on. Uh, But before we get into it, let's kind of talk about. Our current cornerbacks. What is your opinion on the current cornerback situation? Are you content? Are you happy? Do you think they're going in the right direction? Do you think there's going to be any type of growing pains? I know there's a lot of new position or new players to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the defensive back room. Where is your level of concern as far as where the corner the current cornerbacks lie?
4: Yeah, there's always going to be growing pains when you not only have a lot of new faces, but you're going to be you know, it appears playing more press coverage, uh, something that they have not done, uh, a lot more aggressive man coverage. And so there's going to be some ground pains as everybody gets on the same page, but they are definitely heading in the right direction. This has been a huge weakness for the Steelers for a while. And at one point they had Joe Hayden and uh, Stephen Nelson, and they had a pretty decent, set of corners and of course that only lasted one year and they weren't necessarily press men but they were able to play a little more aggressive man at times and it really helped the pass rush it helped the defense and then of course you know Nelson you know they parted ways and Hayden you know started to slow down and then he had some health issues and so the Steelers can no longer do that well now they've not only brought in Peterson, who's very crafty, still fast, still athletic, and, and knows how to play press, but they, they draft two corners, that that's their specialty because of their length, their athleticism, uh, and their experience, collegiate experience. Uh, Levi Wallace uh, is a well-rounded corner. He doesn't have speed, so he you don't want him pressing a lot, but he's good in a trail man position. And also a very good zone corner. Uh you have James Pierre, uh, who towards the end of last year, a lot of times they would they isolated him on certain receivers and matched him up one on one, uh, like they did with um, Adams for the Raiders. And he really, you know, give Adams a lot of trouble. You know, if you have if you have that safety help over the top, you could be more aggressive if your safeties are rangy and the store safeties with Fitzpatrick and Kaze definitely have range now. Mm -hmm. So the, you know, they're going to be able to, I I believe that's the whole, what, what everything's pointing towards is a more aggressive secondary. So I'm very, I'm very pleased with the direction they're heading.
3: I agree. I think that you're very much on the point there that the direction that they're heading is, is in the right one and, and that they're being that the type of players that they're really trying I think there's an identity being set here when it Mm -hmm. comes to this team as a whole, and it's a physical, big, strong, and nasty. And I think that's across the board from the trenches to, you know, the receivers to the cornerbacks. Uh, I think the inside linebacker position right now is a bit of a bridge gap position. Um, I don't think you have your, what the Steelers would consider the future there and those, you know, with, with, with Holcomb and with uh, Roberts. And so, you know, everywhere else, the pieces that are being brought in are big, nasty football players, physical players, and I think that's the direction that they are going. Um, I think you're absolutely right. My biggest question or concern when it comes to the secondary is going to be the slot cornerback position. Bringing in a, uh, a, a Shannon Sullivan, he's not he's not the pass protect or the the coverage cornerback in the slot that you know Cam Sutton was, so to speak. In fact, this guy, uh, apparently, according to PFF, grades lower than Arthur Mallette. And so there, there is a little bit of concern there for me. Um, what is your level of concern in the slot position? How do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to address it? Do you think that perhaps they still need to go out and get another one?
4: Well, I would mention, before I answer that, uh, I'm much higher, as we know, on Cole Holcomb and Landon Roberts than you. Uh, because I, I also have a lot of faith in Mark Robertson. I think he could be something special. Nick uh-huh. Kutkowski. Um, I, there's not a superstar, per se. Uh, I don't know what. See, I'm, I have an article that's going to post soon on Still Curtain where you know, fans first, uh, specifically about Cole Holcomb. Okay. And why, what he's bringing to the equation is something that the Steelers haven't had in a long time. And that's somebody that with great power comes great responsibility. And wearing that green dot on the helmet just absolutely takes some guys out of their game. They mm-hmm. All that responsibility, getting people lined up, relaying the plays, changing the formations, it shuts them down. Paralysis by overanalysis, as I've talked about before. Right. So I think Holcomb is bringing something that we're going to see a real difference and the communication, which is going to really be needed this year with all the new players. Mm-hmm. So don't be surprised if we think that Holcomb's kind of a – he was a bargain being deal, and he ends up being like even better than Mason Cole was because a lot of people thought that's what he was going to be, and right. he turned out to be a really good center. So just keep that in mind, and, and like I said, keep an eye out for my article. Um, as far as the slot corner, I agree with you about and Sullivan. I've I've not never been impressed with him, but watching what he says, listening to what people from Minnesota says about him, and what Patrick Peterson uh, Peterson has said about him, then you look at Minnesota's defense. Minnesota did not have a good pass rush, and that yeah. whole defense was lousy. I mean they they got. They won a lot of shootouts uh, because they had one of the worst defenses in the league. I, I'm going to kind of reserve judgment till maybe into the preseason early end of the season and see how he does with a much, much stronger supporting cast. because Arthur Millette, I liked him. He was a tough little player. You know, he, he was a poor man's Mike Hilton nowhere near right. as good but he had a similar mentality in a lot of ways. Um, But I do believe just from watching that Sullivan is a better coverage corner than Millett was. But as you said, PFF rates him lower than Millett. But then if you look at Millett's surrounding or supporting cast, there's no comparison between the Steelers defense and the Vikings defense. So, You know, we're going to see what happens at training camp. If he doesn't look comfortable or doesn't look like he's what they expected at training camp, we might see Con pull the trigger and try to make a trade or bring in somebody, you know, when they start making cuts.
3: I agree. I think that that's probably a good facet or a good avenue to go. Um, You know, Tomlin is, is known for his sayings, and one of them being, you know, if you don't show up we'll go shopping well they're gonna to have to give him an opportunity to show up first before they go shopping and so um and i can see that being the situation there you know see what he's got in training camp when the pads are on see how physical this guy can be if he's uh willing and capable not just capable but willing to go in and put his face into the fan and and apply pressure to the quarterback because i think that's where it's going to be a, a big issue and also you know if he's going to be able to cover it to the you know with the best of them because some of the receivers, that wide receiver three in, in the division here, it's uh he's going to be going up against some talented um, receivers. And so, um, yeah, no, give him the opportunity. But if he doesn't show up, I, I can definitely see this team going out and pulling in somebody else to, to fill in the position. Uh, Don't you
4: think that they really need to get Joey Porter Jr. up to speed quickly? And if you could get Trice up to speed quick, That would be great because you could have either one of them guys and have a play outside and then you could drop a Peterson in to play some slot against the teams that, you know, as you said, the Steelers are going to be playing that have tougher matchups. So that would probably be optimal over having Sullivan matchup because Sullivan doesn't have size either.
3: The, the only question that i have with with having a patrick peterson moving into the inside is that Hayden joe Hayden wasn't too you know big on that you know moving into the inside now was that because he felt that was less of a position or didn't pay as much or whatever the case may be because he was also unwilling to move to the safety position and was wanting to be only an outside corner but he mentioned the fact that it was very difficult to be that versatile And that he really praised Cam Sutton and being able to play on the outside and as in the slot cornerback position.
4: One thing that I have noticed, uh, when Hayden had injuries during his tenure with the Steelers, there was a lot of times it was playing the run, but he Mm -hmm. would get caught inside and he would have to take on a larger player or a Nick Chubb. I know one time he got hurt, uh, he got dinged up because Chubb kind of ran him over. Uh, he did not like to be – that's why he didn't want to be a safety. That's why he didn't want to be in the slot. He didn't want to be in that congestion and everything. Joe Hayden was not a very big man, and he was not a very physical corner. That was not his – Um, that was not his style. That wasn't right. his strength. Uh, Patrick Peterson is much bigger, much stronger, and much more physical than Joe Hayden. So I don't really have an issue with moving Peterson inside.
3: That makes sense. That that actually makes, you know, all the world, you know, sense in the world, um, you know, and perhaps maybe Patrick Peterson could do to better there. Would you, would you rather have Patrick Peterson in the slot or move over to the safety position when Joey Porter comes in?
4: I think it will depend on matchups and, and what defense they're going to go in, if they're going to go in big nickel or they're going to just go nickel dime. I mean, you can move Peterson around. They have such versatility, uh, and people and players in Peterson and Fitzpatrick that are so versatile that, and again, by moving them around and not getting in a, uh, a tendency or showing a trend, it's going to keep the quarterbacks guessing and the offensive coordinators guessing. So, yeah, I, I would like to see Peterson moved around the secondary.
3: Yeah, I think I would too, Uh, especially his experience and knowledge and know how. You know, we're going to talk about a guy like Rod Woodson who moved around a lot in the secondary to prolong his career and did that very well. I think, you know, Patrick Peterson is a guy that could, you know, follow in his footsteps. But with Patrick Peterson being the guy that's on the move when Joey Porter comes in, uh, do you think that that indicates that? Uh, Patrick Peterson is mentoring Joey Porter to replace him versus he's mentoring him to be alongside him, opposite of him.
4: I think he's uh, he was brought in for a short term just mm-hmm. because of his age. I mean, they'd have loved right. to have him. They talked to him the year before last, I think. So they've kind of coveted him for a while, but it's finally mm-hmm. come to fruition they could get him. Uh, And, you know, come to a mutual agreement. But uh, he's definitely mentoring the young corners, uh, both Porter and Trice. Um, But the way it's working, looking right now, he's been rejuvenated coming to Pittsburgh. He's excited about playing for Tomlin and in this defense. And it wouldn't shock me if he plays another couple of years. So um, that's a good problem to have.
3: Yeah. 100 percent. Well, I think like I said, I think the Steelers are, in my opinion, I think that Patrick Peterson is, you know, mentoring him to be his replacement, which leads me to believe that if Levi Wallace continues to show up and and play out, uh, I think he can be a a guy that's playing alongside or the opposite side, that left cornerback and, and JPJ can be the right cornerback there. I think that the hope is that maybe perhaps Corey tries can develop to replace him. But I think that gives you a little bit of uh, an option there and and some security, knowing that you have Levi Wallace and, um, you know, a guy that really turned his season around last year. Because early on in the season, it seemed like he was getting picked on. And, you know, he ended up with four interceptions, turning it around. And I think a lot of that had to do also with, you know, we alluded with, with, with Sullivan, is a lack of a pressure. You know, the fact that yeah. T.J. Watt was out last season, Larry Ogunjobi was hurt for majority of the season, Cam uh, Cam Hayward was dealing with injuries. So that developed into a lack of a pressure and which resulted in teams taking advantage of the secondary. And uh, I think that maybe perhaps this year going into it, having that healthy up front defensive line mm-hmm. is really going to turn things around. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back on the other side, we're going to talk about our debate greatest Steelers corners of all time. Don't go anywhere on the YouTube side. Just take five seconds on the audio side. Just a few words from our sponsors.
2: Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: And we're back. Welcome back to The Hangover. Um, Shannon, I know you, we were talking about this um, you know, off-air earlier. You said that you were writing an article that's supposed to be coming out, I believe, tomorrow on Network.com, which is part of Fans First uh, Network, um, referencing you know, our debates that we've been having. Can you explain a little bit more about your article that's coming out?
4: Yeah, this article is specifically tied to our Hangover podcast tonight in this discussion about who is the greatest Steelers cornerback of all time. And it's like – it's really – an impossible question to answer, but I tried to the best of my ability and we're going to right now to try to come up with an answer. And I can't say what my answer is. Cause people have to check out the, the article, the corresponding article tomorrow uh, on still curtain network. Whereas I've tried to break it down by category and, and fairly, you know, Give the uh, uh, come to a conclusion, and uh, and and it was very very difficult.
3: <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, there's there's really, in my opinion, top two, and then there's a bit of a separation. Yeah. There's a bit of a gap there. Big gap. Uh, <laughs> if you had to say your top five, mm. or if you had to give your top five, and this doesn't have to be personally sought. Um, we're going to try something a little bit different. Before in the past, we did personally, you know, who you personally saw. Uh, I, I want to know who your top five um steeler cornerback of all time, whether you saw them play or not.
4: Yes. Well, I've saw all these guys play. Uh so it would be Mel Blunt and Rod Woodson, obviously, is top two. Then I would say Dwayne Woodruff, Joe Hayden, and it's it's kind of close between Chad Scott and Willie Gay because they've both were overachievers. I think Chad Scott was the better athlete and Willie Gay did more with, with less because he really was not a great athlete. He was more like your Levi Wallace, a guy who overcome physical limitations by being very smart and crafty. So, but those are my top five.
3: Nice, nice. Good five. Good five. Now for me, I think that, um, it's probably even though I'm going all time and there's only one guy in my top five that, is, that I didn't personally see play. Um, and so you can probably tell that it's uh, my my top five is a little bit biased to the players that I saw. Mm-hmm. But for me, number five I have is Deshae Townsend. I,
0: I thought like he DeShay, did.
3: Yes. Deshae was amazing. He was he had probably the biggest pick six that I remember because of who the opponent was. And that was in 2008 against the Dallas Cowboys. And that was was in the end for the win. And then that that season, the Steelers ended up going and winning the Super Bowl. So not only did the Steelers win the Super Bowl, but they win my personal Super Bowl because I'm from Texas and beat Mm -hmm. the Cowboys. That was a fantastic year. So my number five is the Shea Townsend. Then I got William Gay. You know, I I thought that, you know, and. and it's crazy about William Gay because I thought he was a liability for quite a bit of his career. And then yes. all of a sudden he turned into a liability to big play Willie Gay. And he was intercepting interception return after interception return for touchdowns. I think everybody remembers the elaborate celebration between him and um, Joey Porter uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals that seemed to have last like an entire commercial break. Um, <laughs> a Great player. I, I, I thought Willie Gay was was awesome. And then I have, um, I have Joe Hayden number three and then number two, um, I have Mel Blunt and then I got Rod Woodson and that's kind of the way I have it figured. And I think that if I had an opportunity to probably watch more Mel Blunt, I think there might have been more of a a conversation there for me to have, but you know, Rod Woodson being a Steeler for my childhood and me seeing him and then, this somewhat despised him when he went to Baltimore and to the Raiders. So you know, I, I got to witness not only him being a great cornerback for the Steelers, but also a free safety and a strong safety later on in his career and appreciate his his game from multiple avenues from being a fan of his and also from maybe not rooting for him on the field, if that makes sense. And so Oh
4: yeah, I mean it's there were so many things. Uh it was you went through each category in my article. You know, that it was a wash, like athleticism. When you're talking about Mel Blunt was a little longer, he was a little bigger than Woodson. Uh and it was just a touch faster being a track athlete, all American in the hurdles at Purdue. So uh, but they were two of the most pure natural athletes you'll ever see at the position. So that was kind of a wash. Then you, then you look at impact. I mean, they changed the rules because of Mel Boyd. I mean, they're like, okay, he's too big. He's too fast. He's too strong. He's manhandling anybody across from him off the line of scrimmage. I remember him taking Mel Renfro of the Oilers and just throwing him out of bounds. Just, and there was nothing Mel Renfro could do about it. So, you know, that's, you know, you say, well, that's, that don't seem fair, but it was in the rules. You know, you know, you could just, they had to break away from press coverage and you couldn't get away from Blunt, So they changed the rules. Now, there was a couple of guys that give blunt trouble. Cliff Branch from the Oakland Raiders was smaller, but Cliff Branch had great short area quickness and speed. So, he could avoid Blunt getting his hands on him. And, and then he could, you know, and Blunt was fast enough to run with him, but he didn't have that instant acceleration that Branch had. So, I remember some really good games and tough matchups, you know, between a guy like, say, Mel Blunt and Cliff Branch. But then you have Woodson, who was dominant at two positions. And he's the the, as far as I know, the only guy to make it to the pro bowl as a corner and as a safety and as a kick returner, mm-hmm. he is, you know, he's the greatest kick returner in Stiller's history. And, you know, even though, but blunt was a very good kick returner early in his career. So there's so much similarities between the two that it is just, it was just almost an impossible decision The, the what I always like to do with these discussions and debates is it comes down to two things. How would each guy do in the other guy's era? And then supporting cast. Now, Mel Blunt was dominant. He Both guys won defensive player of the year once. Mm-hmm. You know, Woodson played with some really good teammates, but he did not play with just an outlandish amount of Hall of Famers like Blunt did. Right. So what had accomplished, there was more pressure on him because he was the man. He was one of the – whereas Blunt was part of a dynasty. Mm-hmm. The, you know, that 76 defense did things, the still curtain defense, they don't even see possible now. They don't seem like they could have happened, but they did. But then you get, you come to the fact that Mel Blunt only played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. So we never seen him in in an enemy uniform. And he also won four Super Bowls in six years. Now, no cornerback can compare to that kind of success. So, you know, it's it's just the Steelers have been blessed. In my opinion, we're not just talking about the two best corners in Steelers history. We're talking about the two best, arguably the two best corners in NFL history. Because you could say uh deon sanders all you want but Deion mm-hmm. sanders wouldn't tackle he didn't want to tackle right now he didn't let nobody catch the ball hardly because he was that good but the problem is sometimes you got to tackle especially on a running play and i remember the whole run beside the guy and grab a hold of him, and wait for your uh, teammates to get there that was deon's tackling stuff <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah, he was he uh, he wasn't known for his tackling abilities and Rod Woodson would definitely put his face in the pan. You know, Rod Woodson had toughness to him. And it wasn't just that aspect. He was also the, I think the, I don't I don't know if any other player has done this. Had a uh, ACL tear and then come back in the Super Bowl, you know, the same year. And so, you know, that took a lot of determination toughness, uh the mental aspect of having to do that within the same year. I mean, we look at what you know, Devin Bush's career was after his ACL injury or a Zach Banner after his ACL injury and how, you know, in Devin Bush's instance, where we think that it's more of the mental aspect versus, you know, the, the, the actual injury, Devin Bush had significantly more time to heal with the advancement of modern day medic uh, medical abilities versus what Rod Woodson was able to do. What was that like 30 years ago? And, you know, and, him having to come back, the, the medical advancement wasn't there. And so him able to come back within a year and then cover, you know, Michael Irvin in the Super Bowl, was, was amazing. I mean, it, it just really was, it's just unfortunate that he didn't finish his career as a Pittsburgh Steeler or, or stayed a Steeler throughout his career. Um, I know that when he left, you know, the Steelers gave him some sort of like weak contract uh, that he felt disrespected about. And so that's why he ended up going. Uh, but I think that, you know, so it's just unfortunate he didn't get a chance to, but I don't think he would have ended up – do you think that the Steelers would have gotten a ring with Rod Woodson had he stayed a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers throughout the uh, the late 90s?
4: It's, it's impossible to say. I don't think it's likely because not long after Lloyd suffered his basically career-ending knee injury, uh, those two guys were – Incredibly important to that defense and that team. They did not have a quarterback. I mean, they had a game manager in O'Donnell that got them there because they were that good all across the the board, but they did not have a quarterback. And then when they got in the Super Bowl, it showed up and it bit them in the rear. So uh, they did not have a quarterback after O'Donnell, really. Uh, Maddox was pretty good. Uh, you know, Cornell had some good years as far as excitement, <laughs> yeah. But they didn't have a real franchise quarterback to be in. So, yeah. for Woodson's sake, leaving probably got him that Super Bowl yeah. that he would not have got in Pittsburgh. But I would have still his rather his legacy had it just been in Pittsburgh. I hate that some of the guys have retired that didn't get to win one. Yeah, but they still have that. You know, I only wore black and
3: gold. 100%. 100%. You know, if, if Neil O'Donnell doesn't – those interceptions don't go that way, uh, do you think that the Pittsburgh Steelers have more, you know, bust and canton from that 90s team, especially on the defensive side?
4: I think that they would have definitely – again, like I said, you know, you don't know how what how, how all would have changed, but Lloyd was – Destined for the hall as well until uh-huh. he, had the, he had the devastating injury to start his career, and then he had the one to end his career. If he had played a few years longer, he would have been in the hall of fame. Right. Lloyd was just that good. Um, to me, the they would have been uh, they would they those teams in the 90s just were not comparable to the teams of the 70s. Right. The, the, the talent on those on that still curtain dynasty was you know, you just it, nobody's matched it before or since, and so there's there's even guys off the 70s teams were still upset that are not in the hall of fame, LC Greenwood. And you know, i right now we're still hoping Heinz Warden might be able to sneak in, Marquise <laughs> Pouncy,
3: uh-huh.
4: uh, Big Ben should definitely go in on first ballot, but right. I mean. It, it might be a while after Ben, so we're you know we're gonna have to still see what's gonna happen. But to me, if the Steelers would have selected Dan Marino and in nineteen eighty three, that was the that was the like the curse of Dan Marino. I've always said you went from Terry Bradshaw to nothingness to Ben, and Marino was the hometown Pittsburgh kid. He was available. there was there, and they passed on him. It's kind of like the Browns passing on Ben. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you get what you deserve. And yeah. I think that, that that was, you know, the Steelers had the chance to get their next franchise quarterback, and they didn't do it. So it, it's sad, but that's what
3: happened. Yeah, fortunately, Dan Marino didn't force the Steelers to lose to him 20 some long time. So <laughs> <That's right. laughs> take that, Browns. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, for sure. I mean, you know, I, I was, th- you know, thinking about it. I think Lloyd may have had an opportunity to go into the hall, maybe even a, uh, you know, I thought LaVon Kirkland, he was a fantastic player just because he was not the norm. He was oh, somebody that him. was yeah. huge and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I, he was an inspiration because I was a bigger guy growing up, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I was like, man, I, you know, I played on the offensive and defensive line in Peewee football during this time. And I was like, yeah, I can play middle linebacker. Look at LeVon Kirkland. He's huge out there, too. And so, you know, it was a good time. I, it's just unfortunate they didn't come out with a ring back in the 90s. And they had plenty of opportunities. I mean, uh, Bill Cower was starting to get that reputation of being able to get to the championship and not get to the big game.
1: Yeah. And,
3: you know, the Marty Schottenheimer, you know, he was being compared to Schottenheimer coming from his tree and the whole nine mm-hmm. yards and so. And fortunately, he was able to get that monkey off his back in 05. Uh, which, what
4: was the common denominator?
3: Well, it was the quarterback. Yep, it was definitely the quarterback. You know, once they had and
4: Marino, would have still been playing.
3: Mm-hmm. Gosh, imagine!
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm telling you. I mean it. You know, it's like these decisions. You watch teams like Cleveland when well, they took Johnny Manziel, just for an example. You know, everybody's sitting back going, oh, boy. You know, that's why they're the Browns. And teams that are perpetual losers or come up short, the Steelers have never been losers, but they always had that hole. Yeah. They always had that hole at quarterback that they could not fill, and it was their own fault.
3: Yeah, no, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Although, do you think that Dan Marino would have had the success he had in in Miami had he stayed in Pittsburgh? I know there was a bunch of question marks about, you know, the people that he was surrounding himself with, and um, you know, any extracurricular activities off the field that were going on. Could, you know, I know there's been that question that had he stayed in Pittsburgh, that maybe perhaps he would not have been the quarterback he came became.
4: Well, it would have definitely been different because the Steelers ran a different offense than Miami. He wouldn't have had super duper and Clayton, Nat Moore, the guys he had in Miami, but he would have had Stallworth. He was still, you know, he had Lewis lips. He had had the, the stewards had talent at receiver. Yeah. They had talented offensive line. They had a running game. The, the defense, you know, were, was during those mid eighties, they were decent. And, Marino was just too good, Daniel. He was too good to not be successful. Yeah. I mean, the guy had the quickest release you'll ever see. And he just, he threw the ball. He he was maybe the best pure passer ever mm-hmm. that he was too good. He would have been successful. The reason he couldn't win in Miami is because he was resistant to he did not want to commit to the running game more and, do the thing Shula wanted because that's how Shula coming from the Baltimore Colts and, and all that, that way, that was how he was taught. And Marino resisted that. So Marino was so good. and so successful. She was like, go for it. And he was flinging the ball all over the yard. I don't think it would equate to Ben been like at Pittsburgh. I actually believe, and there's different stories that have come out. I believe that the reason Noel didn't want Marino is no still wanted to build back like he had built the stores originally around defense. Mm-hmm. And he's seen similarities in Gabe Rivera that he seen when he made mean Joe green, the centerpiece, the foundation of the franchise mm. and he, you know, Marino had a reputation that he would speak his mind in college to Majors, the coach. I mean, he was not a uh, a guy that um, Bradshaw took a lot. You know, and, and and he let Noel get in his head and, and you know, Noel finally toughened him up enough that he could win. But Marino would have been a guy that would have sent something back. And I think that that, I don't believe all the stuff about smoking weed and, and all these rumors. I believe it was because they have their own investigators. I think mm-hmm. it was more no, I was like, I don't like this kid, I don't like his attitude, and I want to build my what. And yeah. it worked before, and it'll work again. Well, it you know, it didn't,
3: yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't. That would have been something, though. That definitely would have been something to have. You know, let's just say the cards would have played out the, the same way in 04 to go from Terry to Marino to oh, Ben. Man. That, oh man, that would I would say that
4: so. I would have said I would be. I would be comfortable to say they would have three more Lamarties.
3: Oh, easy. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, in the 90s, they went to, I don't know how many championship games. You know, you have the yep. 94 uh, against the uh, the Chargers. I think that would have turned around. 97 against uh, the Patriots, I think, where, um, uh, no, that was in the one. But, no, 97 was the the Broncos. And so that the Steelers made it to the, the championship. But one was the, the Patriots. You know, those games there, I think, maybe go differently, maybe go differently. That's definitely true. But back to the cornerback position. We're not on quarterbacks. That's next week.
0: Yes.
3: (laughs) Uh, Back to the cornerbacks. Do you think that in today's NFL, if you were having to start, you know, you were in the draft and you had the first overall pick and you had your choice between a rookie Mel Blunt and a rookie Rod Woodson, who would you build your defense? This defense, the Steelers defense, who we saw go early you know at 32 but there was rumors they would have gone first play, uh, with the first pick at cornerback. If those two guys were available, who do you think the Pittsburgh Steelers are selecting today?
4: That well, again, that that is such <laughs> a tough decision. Um I think Rod Woodson uh had a slight edge as I said uh, in the speed department. Uh, but overall, explosive numbers, I think Blunt had the better vertical. I think Blunt had uh, – he was taller and longer, which we know is becoming even more and more valuable in the league today. Uh, and at the time, nobody knew. See, Blunt played cornerback at safety in college, but he come from a, a black college and a smaller school, against lesser competition, whereas – you know, Woodson played at Purdue. Uh, so based on where they come from, I think the Steelers would have went with the, more of the power five school, and they would take Woodson uh, if it was a draft, you know, and they, were, and they had an opportunity to select both. Uh, Woodson also uh, played offense some, and like I said, he was a great kick returner. So just for draft value, uh, I think that you would, um, I think you would a team now the Stillers now would take a Rod Woodson over a Mel Blunt but again that's a lot based on what we what they were coming out you know right. uh, Mel Blunt was not an All-American whereas Rod Woodson was the Stillers, yeah. that's what made them so special their scouting department in the 70s they were able to, because they wasn't as elaborate. Now guys, they put videos out in high school. So everybody knows who they are for years and years. So you don't sneak up on anybody hardly. And so, but you could find guys like John Stallworth, Donnie Schell, Mel Blunt. You can find guys like that back in the day. If you had your scouts going to these smaller schools and, and doing you know evaluations of, rec- you know, so uh, it's a different animal now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I think that the, that was one of the things that would at draft day would give Woodson the advantage is that he was a from a power five school.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that makes the total sense in the world. I think, you know, for the sake of argument, uh, the argument that can be had for a Mel Blunt is the fact that the Pittsburgh Steelers selected two cornerbacks in this previous draft that were tall physical type of Mm -hmm. cornerback. So I think we can kind of anticipate that maybe perhaps that was the direction that the Steelers are going. And, you know, if put in this situation, they may lean towards a Mel Blunt because of that size and physicality. Um, You know, Mel Blunt is a guy also that wasn't a a player that was bound by the rule that changed the NFL. Like for instance, once that rule was changed, he didn't drop off. He continued to be a, a great, um, if not the greatest cornerback in the NFL at the time while he was playing. And so it wasn't just a situation where he was a um, a product of being able to get his hands physically on receivers. He was also very good at coverage. Um, yeah,
4: he led the league in interceptions with 11 the year immediately following when they made the change. Yeah, So, I mean, that just goes to show you the reason he didn't have a lot of interceptions earlier is because he never let the guy get off the line of scrimmage, much less stay in bounds. So nobody threw at him. So you know he didn't get an opportunity for a lot of interceptions. And back then, teams threw the ball much less. That's true. Much less. But if you look, the all, he leads the Steelers in all-time interceptions with fifty-seven. Now Rod Woodson played longer. Um, three more years. And ended up with seventy-one interceptions. Uh, and, and he he was a great big play guy, all-time NFL record holder, twelve interceptions returned for touchdowns. So yeah. you know Rod Woodson had that man. He when he got that ball in his hands, it was kind of like Dion and and those guys. They're taking it to the house more than likely. You yeah. you didn't want them to get an interception, but but again, it was. Blunt just never – they didn't even throw at him because he never let his guy get off the line of scrimmage.
3: That's true. That's true. You can't intercept the ball if the guy that you're covering is <laughs> on the ground and not throwing it <laughs> to him. So, you know, that does make a lot of sense. The one thing that really does pop off the screen, though, and, you you know, with the stats that you mentioned, is a 12 interceptions returned for touchdowns. That's not including what he was able to do in the return game for Rod Woodson. You know, he was a really, really great cornerback you know, in the league, not just for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think both of these guys were. Um, you know, another another stat, because I'm looking at them right now, is that um Rod Woodson had 13 and a half sacks in his career too. And so and Rod Woodson, I think it's 32
4: career fumble recoveries, which is an all time record.
3: It is. So it like is I 32. said,
4: Rod Woodson was just big play. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he was he would come off his coverage and make a play, you know, not even to his guy. The, you know, that's he had that big play ability that set Rod Woodson apart from everybody.
3: 100%. And like it's a difficult question to ask, like, which one would you choose? I, too, would probably select, you know, if I was the Steelers today, I would probably choose Rod Woodson, but I could see the, you know, Mel Blunt wouldn't be a bad choice whatsoever, you know, and I can see the argument where some fans would say Mel Blunt over Rod Woodson, um, you know. It's, it's a debate that can't be won, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, There, you have players there like isn't
4: this. a wrong answer, but there isn't a right answer either.
3: Yeah. <laughs> because,
4: you know, I don't want to show any disrespect to either guy because, I, again, like I said, to me, they're the two best ever to play the position. And they just both happen to be stillers.
3: Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're 100% right. So, well, I think that's going to do it for that debate. Do you have it? I know you have – a uh, article that's coming out. What else do you, I think you have the curtain call on Wednesday. Have you found a uh, co-host yet?
4: Yes. We, um, we're going to be changing uh, the curtain call. Normally in season, we would always have know your enemy.
3: Mm-hmm. And
4: then in the off season, it was the curtain call. So last year we decided we was going to stick with the curtain call all year and not change the name depending on the season or out of season. But uh, two of the homies, two of my buddies, I'm an honorary homie, as I always, tell everybody I'm a, the hillbilly homie because <laughs> uh, I'm from West Virginia. But Kevin Tate and Big G, uh, we've done a lot of podcasts together recently. I've been on the homies, and they've been on the curtain call, and we have a really good chemistry, and and it seems that uh, the it's been received well, and when Uh, Jeffrey Benedict had to to step away, you know, as a family caregiver and he needed more time. Uh, We've, you know, approached the powers of be. And so now we're going to have, they've been doing the pump your breaks audio only podcast on Tuesday mornings. Mm -hmm. But now we're going to move pump your breaks to Wednesday. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: And it's going to be, the dynamic well, it can't be the dynamic duo. It's the terrific trio of <laughs> myself and Tate and Big G uh, are going to have pump your brakes at eight thirty on Wednesday nights.
3: Nice, nice. Make sure you catch that. Yeah. You know, I also
4: have, our- uh, like I said, an article that we'll, is going to post soon about Cole Holcomb and how he's not scared of the Green Duck. So you know, I try to put a little humor in there. So mm-hmm. definitely check that out. And then tomorrow we'll have the corresponding article. So you can find the article and this podcast, uh, at still, you know, still curtain network.com. first sports
3: network. Yeah. Check that out. In fact, um, as soon as this, um, show is over, I think I'm, we're going to be able to put the uh, steel network.com in the description. So that way mm-hmm. you can just click there and go straight there. In fact, I think we should probably be putting that in every show. But yeah. yeah, check it out on Wednesday. Um, subscribe, ring that notification bell. If you're here on YouTube and you're not ringing that notification bell, you're missing out on a lot of great content. What are you doing? Hit that notification bell. Um, go Steelers. We got what a week and a couple of days until training camp starts.
4: It's close now, buddy. Really close.
3: I can't wait. I'm excited to see if anybody shows up in a tractor or something. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: Keisel's gone, so I don't know who we show up in a tractor. Maybe
3: Holcomb. <laughs> maybe Holcomb.
4: Maybe Holcomb, yeah. yeah.
3: Or, you know, Holcomb or, you know, maybe uh, one of these um, new linemen come in in a big, big work vehicle. Yeah,
4: yeah. Something
3: yeah. get ready to go in a hard hat. Let's see it. Let's see it happen.
4: Somebody come in on a Harley?
3: In a Harley, hard hat, whole nine Yeah, yards.
4: yeah.
3: And a crane. Just don't come in on a hot air balloon. The last person <laughs> that did that, <laughs> it didn't go so well. No, But uh, With that being said, that's a, that's a wrap. Shannon, take us out, buddy.
0: at luckylandslots.com available to players in the US excluding Washington and Michigan no purchase necessary vgw group void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply hello it is Ryan
2: and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere